It's Minnesota Now. I'm Kathy Werzer. A new bill that focuses on the use of the prone restraint for school resource officers is on its way through the legislature. It's one of the first bills being heard by lawmakers. We'll talk to opponents of the bill who are hoping to stop it before it gets to a House floor vote. The water supply in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, is getting some people sick with a deadly disease. Legionnaires will talk to the person in charge of the water about what they're doing to stop the outbreak. Plus, roses are red, violets are blue, right? Two local florists are making bouquets that are getting millions of views. We'll talk to the small businesswomen selling Ramos Buchones for Valentine's Day. We'll have the Minnesota Music Minute and the Song of the Day, and all of it comes your way, of course, right after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. U.S. stocks are sharply lower this hour. Major market indices are down 1.3 percent to nearly 1.7 percent. The Dow has fallen more than 500 points. This morning, the Labor Department reported consumer prices in January came in hotter than expected, rising 3.1 percent over the year before. Shelter costs such as rent and food prices gained last month, but energy prices fell. Overall, inflation is cooling. That's likely to lead the Federal Reserve to begin cutting interest rates sometime this year. After months of debate and a final all-night talkathon, this morning the Senate approved $95 billion in military aid to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. The bill now goes to the U.S. House, where Speaker Mike Johnson does not want to take it up. Here's NPR's Eric McDaniel. Some Republicans were mad about the proposal. They filibustered all night to delay the vote as long as they could. In the end, though, 70 senators, including Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, voted to advance the deal to the House. In some ways, the deal is the last ride of the McConnell, Mitt Romney, John McCain era of robust GOP American foreign policy thinking. A majority of Senate Republicans aligned themselves with Donald Trump's America first thinking instead and opposed the deal, intended to counter Russia in Europe and deter China from toppling Taiwan's democracy. Now the bill heads to the House, where Trump's influence is even stronger. The bill's fate is uncertain. Eric McDaniel, NPR News, Washington. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. has received no indication yet about the timing of the Israeli government's plan to launch a major military operation in Rafah. We have consistently conveyed uh, our concerns uh, to our Israeli counterparts, including the prime minister. Uh, about moving forward uh, in Rafa in a major way without due consideration of civilians. And we have consistently conveyed privately and publicly, but privately too, uh, our concerns about the need to continue to look for ways to reduce civilian casualties. As the president said yesterday, there's been too many. Michigan State University is marking the first anniversary of a mass shooting on campus that left three students dead and five injured. Here's WKAR's Sophia Salaby. The night of February 13, 2023, a gunman walked onto MSU's campus and shot into a classroom in another building. The perpetrator died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound later that night. In the days after, students and campus community members gathered to memorialize the victims. Thousands of items, from flowers to letters, were collected from those tributes by MSU museum staff. Director Devin Ackman explains why. It's our role as a museum to make sure that this very important material is preserved, and we want to ensure that happens. What was collected from memorials is not being displayed at this time. That's Sophia Salaby reporting. It's NPR News. 
Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Progressive Insurance, where drivers can compare direct rates using Progressive's rate comparison tool. Customers can see options and rates side by side. More at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Around Minnesota right now, skies are partly to mostly cloudy. Highs today, upper 20s to the mid-30s in the north. Mid-30s, lower 40s in the south. At noon in Mabel, Minnesota, it's sunny and 35. It's 20 in Hibbing. And outside Buffy's Bar and Grill in Uppsala, Minnesota, it's 29. I'm Kathy Worzer with Minnesota News Headlines. Prosecutors in the case of a Minnesota State Patrol trooper charged with murder and manslaughter for the fatal shooting of a motorist last summer argued in court today to restrict public access to all future motions and evidence in the matter. State Trooper Ryan Londrigan is charged with murder, manslaughter, and assault for the killing of motorist Ricky Cobb II on I-94 in Minneapolis back in July. Prosecutors filed a motion late last week to restrict access to all motions and evidence in the case for at least two business days. They argued that public access to information that may not be admissible at court could, quote, influence public opinion. The parties have until the end of this week to submit briefs. A modified Berkey cross-country ski race will be held in northwestern Wisconsin later this month. Dan Crocker reports organizers have announced changes to cope with the lack of natural snow. The American Berkebiner is the largest cross-country ski race in the country. More than 13,000 skiers are signed up, including thousands from Minnesota. The series of events culminates in what traditionally is a 50-kilometer ski marathon that ends in downtown Hayward. But this year, the race has been shortened to 30 kilometers for all but the elite skiers. And the race will be held on 10-kilometer loops of artificial snow around the trailhead in Cable, Wisconsin. Skiers will also be spread out over additional days to reduce congestion. Minnesota native Jesse Diggins, who's leading the World Cup standings this year, is scheduled to race in the Berkey on February 24th. I'm Dan Crocker, Duluth. Our top story, Minnesota lawmakers are moving forward quickly on a bill that walks back a 2023 ban on school resource officers using prone restraints on some students. The bill passed the House Education Policy Committee last night. It'll be in another House committee tonight. DFL leaders in the House say it will reach the floor next week. The new bill is a response to several police departments pulling their SROs out of schools amid concerns they could be held liable for subduing students in a prone restraint. This new bill requires a statewide policy outlining school resource officer responsibilities and requires officers to take training before starting work in a school. But it walks back language passed last year that imposed a ban on school resource officers using prone restraints. DFL Representative Cedric Frazier of New Hope is sponsoring the bill. This is a critical point to understand for our SRO discussion. So currently, peace officers are not allowed to use chokeholds or compressive holds in the regional force continuum. To put it simply, prior to 2023 and currently, if an SRO puts a pupil in a prone position and applied pressure in a manner that restricts breathing, that officer would be in violation of the law. The new bill is facing opposition from solutions, not suspensions, as a coalition of students, community members, and organizations committed to ending racial disparities in discipline. Aaron Sandsmark is the Coalition Programs Manager of Solutions Not Suspensions. Aaron's on the line right now. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you so much for letting me uh, be here. (laughs) Sure. Well, thanks for your time, too. So you heard what Representative Fraser had to say. When you look at this new bill, 
What are some of your main concerns with it? Number one, our main concern and our our biggest stipulation on this bill is that we do not want to see prone restraints used on children. Point blank, that's what we care about. And what this bill does is it retracts um, SROs and other personnel, security personnel, for being compliant to that law. So we just don't think that's enough. Um, SROs should be held to the same high standard of care as other adults in the school building. And that's that's our main line item on that. And we don't think that this law um, appropriately protects our children from those types of restraints. Really? Because if you listen to uh, uh, Representative Frazier, it sounds as though that not, not a bunch is going to change with this law, that it sounds like students would still be protected. Mm. Yes. I was there at the hearing last night, and when Frazier said that, we took a pause as a coalition because from what we know from 609, prone restraint is not explicitly lined out in that law. 609 does a great job of um, banning chokeholds and holds that are neck up. However, what the bill last year proposed that um, allowed or prevented SROs, adults, and other adults in the school building from using more air compressive holds, it talks more about lower back, on the ground, what a prone, explicitly states what a prone position hold is. And what 609 doesn't do, it does not ban prone restraint. It bans choke holds, which is true. But we are talking about prone restrictive holds. See, do you know how many kids in schools might have been um, restrained in a prone position? Do, Do we have any numbers on this at all? That's a great question. We don't, as a state, have um, the exact cases for SRO incidents or prone restraint incidents overall. We have numbers on restraints in general, but the state has not been um, collecting that data until uh, the bill passed last year. Was It was spelled out explicitly that prone restraints and um, cases when SROs were using these types of restraints on children would be actually documented um, by state mandate. But until last year, it was not mandated by the state to do so. So we have data on more broadly, just different types of holds that were had that had to be used on children. Um, and that data is available um, through MDE. And um, so that's been there. But we have not, as a state, been able to collect prone restraint holds. It, of course, you were at the committee hearing last night. I bet you're going to probably be at the hearing again tonight, too. <laughs> and you probably heard supporters of the bill, which includes you know law enforcement organizations, saying that they believe prone mm-hmm. restraints are sometimes necessary to keep students safe. Um, if you if you buy into that argument, which I'm sensing you don't, um, without that ability, do, will schools still be a safe environment? I think schools can be an extremely safe environment. If we have, if our kids can feel safe, um, that the adults in our schools are not going to be using air compressive holds on them. I think schools need to feel safe for our children first. They have to be in our schools. And what this law does, it's causing a lot of anxiety for our students. And there was a lot of teens at the hearing last night, and there will be a lot of teens um, speaking at a press conference later today to talk about how this rollback um, to allow more protections for SROs to use these types of holds is causing them distress and causing um, the fear that these holds can be used against them. Um, 
So I guess what I say to teachers and uh, admin worrying about the safety of our schools, I wonder if there's better ways that we can think about um, children's behavior instead of criminalizing it so quickly. Um, what are the ways that we can uh, de-escalate situations without putting a child in a prone restraint hold? I know there are cases where um, restraint is necessary. However, it does. the law passed last year does not restrict officers from using reasonable force, um, especially in the cases of imminent death or imminent case of serious bodily harm. That was stipulated in the bill. And what this new bill does is it strips away a lot of those protections um, from students, and the word imminent has been removed as well. So now the barrier for when these holds can be used is, is weakened. And we fear that because they haven't been documented very much in the past, and now they're just starting to, we are worried that our Black, Brown, Indigenous, and disabled youth will be um, most vulnerable to these holds by, by police officers in our schools. As they attempt to met out some kind of discipline or to control, right? And you mentioned this, which is interesting, too. I mean, um, as you know, gosh, there's still fights happening in schools, right? You mentioned de-escalation, um, trying to, to head off conflict before it blows up into something bigger. Uh, what, what, how might that look, do you think, moving forward? To de-escalate a situation before it were to... Yes. Uh, yes. So I think what it comes down to is um, our teachers and our administrators uh, really <laughs> listening to our students' needs and thinking about when an incident happens or when a street needs to happen, um, you know, and not prone, obviously, but when something needs to happen on a redirect, there needs to be a conversation um, about restorative practices uh, with our student. What did that student need in that moment? What... Um, what were the feelings happening? What was, what are the next steps that we can take um, to make sure this doesn't happen again? And what we're seeing with this bill, it feels like we are assuming a lot of, um, we're assuming a lot from these students that they are behaving in a way that are somehow out of control. And I just think that we're not doing enough on the before end. <laughs> we're not doing enough mm -hmm. beforehand to prevent um, distress from happening. And the law right now allows for a reasonable use of force when there's threat of imminent death or harm. So we think that the rollback to not allow SROs or to not hold SROs to the same high standard of care as other adults in a school building doesn't feel right. They can do their job while being able to hold a high standard of care and it just feels like we are not um, taking into consideration the, the needs of our children and not prioritizing um, the trauma that would be caused by a prone restraint. Erin, I appreciate your time. I know you're going to be at the hearing tonight. Thank you so much. Yes, I will be. Thank you so much, Kathy, and have a good day. You too. Erin Sandsmark is the Coalition Programs Manager of the group called Solutions Not Suspensions. That's a community coalition committed to ending racial disparities in school discipline. By the way, the Public Safety, Finance, and Policy Committee in the House is hearing this bill tonight at 
Time for our Minnesota Music Minute. This is singer-songwriter Eric Koskinen with his new single, Two of Us. He grew up in Colorado, but lives in rural Minnesota. You can see him this Saturday at the Broadway Theater in Wabasha. The river's running upstream And I'm lost out in the underbrush There's only one thing, darling, I can count on Today is World Radio Day. I mention that because I still feel, after doing radio for so many years, it is just um, one of the most intimate of mediums. The connection you make with listeners truly is special. So we prove this every single time we crack the mic and we talk to folks, especially around member drives, where you really get to hear what NPR listeners think um, about what they hear and their connection to the station, to the reporters and the anchors and everybody who works here on the air. Uh, We thank you, by the way, of course, for that. And uh, you know that you are the reason we're here and the fact that we are doing what we're doing because of you, right? So thank you so very much for making it all possible with membership dollars. We are going to uh, talk a little bit here about a speed match specifically, and I'm going to bring in Sven Sungarter, meteorologist, with us right now. By the way, happy World Radio Day. Happy World Radio Day to you. I didn't yes. know there was one, but there's a day for it, everything. Uh, there and is, and this, this is... Week. This is <laughs> Exactly. This is our special day. So uh, talking about a speed match here, we're in the midst of this uh, winter member drive, right? And mm-hmm. it's a, com- a kind of a compacted drive. This is day two. And uh, about 18 minutes ago, we started something we're calling the $5,000 speed match, Sven. Uh, so the next, right now, the next $5,000 donations are going to be matched dollar for dollar, which is amazing. Yeah, until it's used up. So uh, if you're waiting for a, a great moment to donate, this couldn't be a better one. You'll double your impact. If you're already a sustainer, you can raise your sustaining donation, and that amount that you raise it will be matched too. So that's a, a pretty good deal. And of course, NPR News is Minnesota made by our reporters, journalists, and staff embedded in communities around the state. And we are a statewide organization that is very unique. Uh, and individuals like you are our largest and most sustainable source of support. NPR is Minnesota made because of you. So don't wait. Start your sustaining donation now at nprnews.org. Call 1-800-227-2811 or go to nprnews.org. Here's the thing about this speed match we don't really know when it's going to end. So so the deal is, if you're waiting, don't. Get it done now. nprnews.org, 1-800-227-2811, because when the money's gone, it's gone, right? So you have to donate now before the money runs out. Do it now. You know why you're listening to Minnesota Now. We're just so pleased, the Minnesota Now team, with the success of the program since we launched it. Gosh, has it been two years ago? I think it's been two years. My time is a little off. (laughs) It's been about (laughs) two years. Um, This show has grown. We have a fantastic team. It's, It's news through a Minnesota lens. You know, you really get to learn about Minnesota by listening to this program. So if you are a fan... 
Keep us going with a contribution. Any amount counts to get the match. NPRnews.org, 1-800-227-2811. You could be like Paul, Kathy, in Naples, Florida. You know, we hear this a lot from people that are all over listening. NPR News is a valuable part of our democracy. Your professional journalists are top-notch. So thank you, Paul. No matter where you live, NPR News is here for you. Today, we're asking you to be here for NPR News Donate now at nprnews.org or 1-800-227-2811. How often do we hear people, usually with a Minnesota connection, but not always, who listen? Because we're one of the better, you know, more equipped uh, NPR stations in the country. We really do have a unique uh, situation here. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, I know you travel all around the country, and so do I. And um, when I'm in different places, I like to try to hear what their, their stations are doing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. some, some are excellent some you know struggle because you can tell that they don't have this public support behind them you just you can tell that we have um such a great oh, team is not it it's kind of like a family it's a community really of listeners yeah. who are supporting us you know so this is your opportunity to um hop in the pool if you've never become uh, me- never been a member never made a contribution to NPR news now is the time to do so we have this special Speed match. Next $5,000 donations are matched dollar for dollar. So get this done. NPRnews.org, 1-800-227-2811, Sven. You know, Kathy, that reminds me of a phrase, you get what you pay for, right? In other parts of the country, they don't have the community support that we have here in Minnesota. And what makes NPR so great is is our community support. And so it's so important that you keep it going, keep keep us healthy and strong in uh, what are some occasionally difficult times. So when you donate, you're not just funding this essential coverage for yourself, you're funding it for your whole community too. Uh, From local conversations on Politics Friday to news series like Talking Sense to Minnesota Now that you're listening to right now. Don't wait. Join us as a sustaining member or increase your monthly support at nprnews.org or call 1-800-227-2811. Say if you have someone in your life that um, you think would really benefit from Minnesota Public Radio, uh, gift membership, of course, is always possible, and that counts. That absolutely counts. So we have $5,000 that we're going to match. It's going to go fast. It's already going fast. I can tell you that. NPRnews.org, 1-800-227-2811. By the way, when you're on the website, you're probably listening on the stream. Why don't you swipe over and see the various thank you gifts that we have at various levels. There's just a ton of things. Don't want to go into it too much here with detail, but I think you're going to be impressed. Take a thank you gift to NPRnews.org, and thank you so very much. Outbreak of a bacterial disease has sickened 14 people in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 11 have required hospitalization over the course of several months. The source, the city's water supply. Legionnaire's disease is a serious type of pneumonia caused by inhaling Legionella bacteria, which is found in water. Now, it can be deadly, but so far no one in Grand Rapids has died. The state health department says the first case was confirmed last April, and since then, MDH has been investigating the source. The health department finds the only common exposure was the city water supply. The city of Grand Rapids is now working with the health department to sanitize the water supply. Joining us right now to explain the process and the impact on residents is Julie Kennedy. Julie is the Grand Rapids Public Utilities General Manager. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Say, tell us, uh, this has been going on now for a while. Can you explain 
Uh, I know you've been working with the health department. What kind of a needle in the haystack has it been to find the source? Well, it has been particularly led by Department of Health, and they've been doing all of the testing. Excuse me. Um, And we were brought in just here uh, this last fall to look at the commonality of the water system. Um, And so they came and did some testing with us. And again, I just want to reassure our customers, the water is safe to drink. And and much of the information that is out there talks about the aerosolization of the uh, water-containing bacteria. And that is really what um, the cases are looking at, is where that has been a mist in a shower or a faucet. Um, I think the MDH press release uh, alluded to that as well. But the water, as far as, as drinking, is very safe to drink. And we assure you that the there is no risk of lesionaires with drinking the water. Um, and then our testing, when the Department of Health was here testing with us, we don't have access to the broader results of all the tests that they've done. But we can confirm that the tests that they've done at our treatment plant and our towers and our service center building showed no presence of Legionella bacteria. So what's happening is it's getting from our system, which is um, contains well water, which has naturally occurring Legionella bacteria in it, um, but is cold and constantly moving. So it does not have that growth of, of Legionella. But what happens is when it gets into the plumbing systems and is heated, and not heated um, hot enough but not kept cool enough, meaning it needs to be above 120 but below 70 degrees um, to prevent that spread of the Legionella bacteria. And so um, it's really been a difficult uh, measure to try to track down where that is happening because it isn't happening at the water source and it's not happening happening within our distribution system. And so we're really looking at where is it getting into um, that that's happening. So it sounds like, as you just explained, it's kind of happening as the water's getting into individuals' homes, right, bathrooms. I I didn't have to be honest with you. I knew about the aerialization, um, you know, the water droplets. Um, I just didn't realize, I guess, when you're taking a shower, that could be a a, a problem, in a sense, in some instances? Correct. So if you've got a Hmm. water um, shower head that perhaps isn't used real frequently um, and it has um, warm water that is kept in it and then the bacteria sits the next time you turn that shower on that mist that comes out from the shower can potentially have um, the water droplets that contain that legionella bacteria in the water Um, and so it's once it it leaves our system and gets into um, like you said homeowners or building accounts that's where um, where we're showing the presence or that's where mdh showed presence of those cases you know, I did not know that Grand Rapids is one of the very few uh, cities in Minnesota that does not chlorinate the water because, as you just say, you draw your your water from groundwater, you know, and I'm wondering, which is generally safe, um, might you consider installing a chlorination system because of this issue? Yeah, so we have been looking at that. Um, yeah, something that we have been proud of for decades here is that we don't have chlorinated water and many, many of our customers are, are happy with that. Um, and so a change here will be coming at least as a provisional plan to do some disinfection. Um, and so we're working with our customers um, that use different treatment processes to make sure that they're aware that that will be changing and we will have chlorination um, added to that. Again, that isn't the silver bullet. Legionella can still happen in chlorinated water. Um, and there are cases, I think, across the nation that, that show that. Um, and so we're trying to do everything we can at the utility level, which means some disinfection, 
but then also really educate the customers on their end on how to prevent those um, waterborne bacteria from spreading throughout their plumbing as well. Gosh, you know, there are a bunch of people listening to this program right now probably thinking, wait a minute, uh, what do I need to do even if I'm not in Grand Rapids, right? Many people have well water, um, even folks listening in, in other parts of the state. I'm wondering, what would you tell your folks in Grand Rapids? Is it something that you do? Do you maybe run the shower before you get in? Or what, what's what's the, uh, the what's the protectant here? Yeah, great point, Kathy. Our, our website includes a number of links from the experts, CDC, MDH, um, and, and kind of keying in on their recommendations. It's maintaining those water temperatures that are outside that range of Legionella growth. So again, cold being cold, less than 70 degrees, warm being higher than 120 degrees, um, and not having water um, that is kept in between those two temperatures will really help um, prevent the growth of any kind of bacteria, including Legionella. And then avoiding stagnant water, not having dead ends on plumbing, um, not having, um, having faucets or devices that aren't run regularly. So just as you mentioned, flushing regularly, um, faucets and shower heads, taking off the faucet aerators or the shower heads and cleaning them um, regularly is, is, is certainly recommended. Um, and, and those are, I, I guess, those are the initial recommendations right off the bat um, that would really mm-hmm. help home, homeowners and building owners. Say, Julie, um, if, if you're looking at uh, putting chlorine in the water supply, I, I'm going to assume that's going to be a pretty expensive situation. Can the city handle that? We are digging into that right now. We do not have extra reserves for that, but we will be doing what we need to for um, disinfection if it will help um, mitigate or lessen the impact of Legionnaires. We certainly will do that. But you are absolutely right. It is not a, an easy process. It's complex, and it takes time. Um, putting chlorination into an unchlorinated system can actually cause more issues um, as far as, you know, dislodging uh, biofilm or lead or copper or whatever could be in those pipes um, because of the chlorine. And so we want to make sure that we're extremely methodical and go through um, the proper process to make sure we add the right kind of disinfection um, and then the right amount of disinfection. And so we're, we're looking at probably a six-month plan um, with our experts. We've got local and national consultants that we are working with that um, specialize in this, and they are helping. We've already done water quality tests for that process, and they are looking at um, devising a, our, our provisional plan that will help with that um, temporary or immediate type of um, disinfection, immediate being oh, qu- six months. <laughs> okay. Uh, final question for you, because you've had about 14 folks in Grand Rapids who've gotten sick. Have you, are, you pretty, uh, are you pretty certain that most of the illnesses are over at this point? Um, when was the last person that got sick and how long ago was that? I don't have that information, again, because that's being led by the Department of Health. Um, I do, um, the information that we got was the last case was um, in January. Um, I believe there were two cases in January. So that was, you know, within the last month. Um, Those are the, that's the information I have. But again, because the testing and the investigation into the uh, Legionnaires disease cases is all held at MDH, we don't have that information. All right. Julie Kennedy, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks, Kathy. Julie Kennedy is the Grand Rapids, Minnesota Public Utilities General Manager. It's time for news. Let's call in Emily Reese. Emily? 
Hi, Kathy. Two officials say Israel and Hamas are making progress toward a deal that aims to bring about a ceasefire and free hostages held in the Gaza Strip. Key meetings continue today between the sides in Egypt's capital, Cairo. Israel's offensive in the southern Gaza city of Rafah has freed two hostages but killed at least 74 Palestinians. The Egyptian and Western officials spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the sensitive talks with the media. The U.S. Senate has passed a $95.3 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan after almost a week of debate and growing political divisions in the Republican Party over the role of the U.S. abroad. A small group of Republican senators who are strongly opposed to the $60 billion for Ukraine in the package held the Senate floor through the night, arguing that the U.S. should focus on its own problems before sending more money overseas. But 22 Republicans voted with nearly all Democrats in the early morning hours today to pass the package 70 to 29. Parts of the Northeast have been hit by a coastal storm that's dumping snow with strong winds. The storm canceled flights, closed schools, knocked out power, and snarled traffic this morning. The nation's largest school system in New York City switched to classes, uh, switched classes to remote learning for its more than 900,000 students. Boston schools are closed, although the storm shifted and the southern part of the state got the brunt of the snow. Some of the highest snowfall totals were forecast for the northern New York City suburbs and southwestern Connecticut. And Valentine's Day means flowers, Kathy. Around 90% of the flowers sold at florists and supermarkets in the U.S. pass through Miami International Airport, arriving on hundreds of flights from South America. More than 18,000 tons of fresh-cut flowers have passed through Miami's airport since mid-January. Naturally, this is of interest for U.S. Customs and Border Protection, in particular their agriculture specialists. Those specialists check the bundles of flowers to prevent the introduction of potentially harmful plant, pest, and foreign animal diseases from entering the country. So think about that when you're sniffing your roses, Kathy. (laughs) I shall. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Emily. By the way, coming up in about uh, 10 minutes from now, we're going to talk to two young Minnesota florists whose creations have gotten millions of views on social media. You will find out more if you stick around here with us on Minnesota Now. It's 1234. Hey, speaking of Valentine's Day, yes, Emily's right. Of course, uh, roses, chocolate, uh, there's speed dating. You've heard of speed dating, right? Well, right now we're going to have um, speed giving. <laughs> we have, and Sven's on the line here with us, Sven Sungard. Uh, we Howdy. are going to, yep, we're still in the middle of a speed match, my friend. We're in a speed match. Yeah. $5,000 available to match donations right now from the NPR member fund. That's right. We still have funds available. This is a great time to donate uh, because you get your your donation match, doubling your impact. If you're already a sustainer, you know, hear people sometimes, well, I'm already a member. Well, you can always increase that membership if you're able, uh, if your uh, situation allows and we will double that amount that you increase. So it's a great time to uh, really increase your impact. And, you know, it's it's important because NPR News is a great organization. If you're listening, you already know that. Uh, we have open civil conversations that are critical because they help you understand issues in a fuller context. Being informed isn't just reaffirming what you already believe. It's being open to new information and discovering new insights. How many times do you hear uh, things that you, you never heard before? We hear from people all the time who learn new things by listening. So reach out today, nprnews.org, or call 1-800-227-2811. I always like to ask Sven individuals why they listen and what they get from listening, right? And the responses mm-hmm. are always really interesting to me. Um, this is a good example. Kalpesh in White Bear Lake gave saying, I'm a returning member 
and NPR is my go-to source to get the news and the reporting that I trust. My six-year-old, six years old, looks forward to the weather <laughs> report from Sven in our morning drive to school every day. So there you go. So uh, the six-year-old loves you, and who doesn't? Aww. And uh, Kalpesh learns something new every time I listen to NPR. Absolutely true, right? I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's you mentioned about expanding your mind. It's like, yeah, we have we have listeners who minds of whose have minds like parachutes. They're they're open, they're expansive because they listen, right? They learn something. Lifelong learners love NPR news. If if I'm talking about you right now, do make a contribution. We have five thousand dollars available. We will match your contribution. A kind of a little carrot to get you to make that contribution. It's going to run out. Only $5,000. So if you want your gift matched, now is this opportunity for you. mprnews.org, 1-800-227-2811. Consider what you get, what you learn when you listen to NPR News. It could be every day, maybe just a few times during the week. What have you. If you're using the service, put a little money toward it if you would, please. Any amount counts. mprnews.org, 1-800-227-2811. And I know we're both sustaining members already. So talk about buy-in into the organization. And, you know, I myself will listen to all things considered in the afternoon and and find myself in those driveway moments that we call them where you, you just can't get away. You want to f- hear the end of that story. Uh, sometimes it's a serious thing. Sometimes it's it's more fun. Sometimes, you know, you got Science Friday, all sorts of cool things. You're always learning something. So there's uh, if you value that resource, and I know you do, it's a great time to be a member. Get your match impacted. You could be like Yoakum in Minneapolis, too, who donated and wrote in to say, I support NPR News because good broadcasting is a crucial public good. I don't know if you know, it's an election year, so information is more important than ever. So thank you, Yoakum. You can be like him, too. Start your sustaining monthly donation right now at nprnews.org or call 1-800-227-2811. Well, I tell you what, when we, uh, of course, ask people why they listen to NPR News, we, we get immediate feedback. And I can tell you that NPR News listeners, they're almost like uh, producers of the show. I mean, they have great ideas. They're, they are, they have, um, they really buy into what we're doing here at NPR News. And we uh, so appreciate that. Thank you for your contributions over so many years. If you're a longtime member, if you're a brand new person who has come aboard relatively recently, thank you. Um, if you've never made a gift, why don't you do that now? The drive is going to end on Friday. We're trying to really compress these member drives because we've heard mm-hmm. what you've had to say about that. So we have specific financial goals we need to reach because that's the overall budget for the station, right? So every minute... And every gift counts because we're trying to make this wrap up. We're going to wrap this thing up by Friday. Okay, so if you rely on us, we rely on you. It's kind of a nice partnership. NPRnews.org. You can go online and see our various thank you gifts. Or you can call 1-800-227-2811 and get your contributions matched. We've got this special little speed match going on. The first 5,000 donations made during Minnesota Now will be matched. That's great. Sven, what do you think? Yeah, doubling your impact. And, uh, you know, we've got a whole list of thank you cards. I know people like the state parks permit. We've got uh, some NPR playing cards. I think this is a new thing, isn't it? I'm not (laughs) sure if I've seen this before. Yeah, I haven't seen this either. High quality. High quality, durable playing cards are perfect for family game night or rainy days at the cabin or simply to show off your NPR pride. So uh, that's if you give $7 a month or more, a sustaining membership, you can get those cards. So go to nprnews.org or call 1-800-227-227. 
2811. What a deal. I love that. I love that. Make your first ever donation. Get it matched. Renew your gift. You can get a gift membership for somebody in your life. Know, of course, that all gifts count in any amount, $5 a month. It's kind of the entry level. You might want to start there if you want. It goes all the way up to whatever you feel comfortable giving. All donations will be matched right now, nprnews.org, 1-800-227-2811. And thank you so much. Programming is supported by the McKnight Foundation, advancing a more just, creative, and abundant future where people and planet thrive. Online at mcknight.org. Support comes from the Walker Art Center, presenting Avant Yoik on March 16th. A trio of Nordic artists combine traditional Sami vocals with electronic soundscapes to evoke the contemplative atmospheres of the North. WalkerArt.org. Glad you're with us here on Minnesota Now from NPR News. I'm Kathy Werzer. Of course, you know tomorrow's Valentine's Day, and one way to show a friend or significant other how much you care about them is to give them flowers. If you want to show you really care, according to one social media trend, you might give them a bouquet of roses as big as a bike tire, gathered around sparkly paper ornaments and glitter. These mega bouquets are called Ramos Buchones. They've been popularized on TikTok over the past couple of years, especially in Latino communities. A recent story from Sahan Journal introduces us to two young florists in the Twin Cities who jumped on this trend, Brittany Vega and Jocelyn Chacon are on the line. Brittany and Jocelyn, welcome. Hi, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Brittany, I'm going to begin with you. Of course, my Spanish isn't good. I'm so sorry. Um, Explain, did I do a a decent job explaining what a ramo buchones is? Yeah, so it's kind of like what you said. It's um, usually a big bouquet consisting of you know, from anywhere from 50 to 200, 300 and up, so in the hundreds, um, usually luxurious, with crowns, glitter, diamond pins, um, all of that sort of stuff. Oh, my gosh. Jocelyn, I mean, uh, which which word among of those two words means bouquet in Spanish? What's the meaning of it in this context? So the ramo is bouquet and buchon is which is like the word for extravagant or very luxurious. It's that's what the name is um, about. Okay, so that 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 uh, is how it describes this humongous bouquet. I, they look beautiful. Yes. Um, I'm looking at pictures on TikTok. I mean, my goodness, why do you both think this really ignited in terms of popularity, Brittany? What do you think? Um, kind of. How uh, you previously mentioned TikTok, I think is a big one. Social media, seeing influencers with these big extravagant bouquets. Um, they're all over TikTok right now as well. And I think that's kind of how um, it started spreading more faster. Mm-hmm. By the way, how did you get into this, Brittany? Um, I think it's actually kind of a funny story. <laughs> so I had started... Um, with making bottle arrangements, so like alcohol bottle arrangements. I had started with those originally. And one day, one of my brother's friends had texted me asking if I could make him a ramo buchon. And I was like, I've never made one before, but I'll give it a try. Um, It was a hundred roses 
and from there from that day it just kind of went from there oh my gosh jocelyn how did you get into this um i got into i got into it um during my gap year before college i really used roses as a way to show myself love um i would go to the grocery store and buy myself roses um because i really wanted to focus on loving myself and i realized how much flowers meant to me and i realized that they gave me a lot of happiness too so i wanted to i wanted to be that happiness for other people as well and i also um noticed that ramabuchones were a thing through tiktok so um I kind of got inspired from there and I one day kind of just threw myself into it and I never looked back. <laughs> well, as I say, they are uh, of course I love anything that's kind of uh, I like the grand gesture, right? I love I like glitter and I like all of this. So and so you could both will have to help me out here. Um would you consider this a serious gesture of love if someone were to give you one of these, Brittany? What do you think? Yes. Um, after doing them, I realized how much time and effort and um, how expensive they are. <laughs> so if someone gets one for you, they, you're special. <laughs> you're special. <laughs> Jocelyn, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with Brittany. Um, it's definitely a, a very dreamy thing to get because of how luxurious and big they are. It does take a lot of time to make them and they can get expensive too. So it's a really well thought of gift to give someone or to receive. Um, so it's a huge sign of love and appreciation. Now tell us how much are folks spending on these bouquets, Jocelyn? Um, for me, my prices range from 115 to 500 at most for the bigger um, bouquets. Um, but I also have like budget-friendly options uh, where I like freestyle the bouquet, um, and I personalize it myself. So uh, that's like between 75 and 180. Wow. Okay. So yeah, you are right. If someone gets you one of these, you are definitely high on their list of favorite people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Brittany, do you have a favorite Ram Ramo you've made? Um, I think it's actually the one I did on Sahan Journal. I think that one has to be my most, my most, like my favorite one so far. Okay. And I'm going to tell people to go see that, too, because that is, that is pretty impressive. Jocelyn, do you have a favorite that you've made? Um, I love pink bouquets. Pink is my favorite color, but I really do love making the freestyle bouquets just because it gives me a little more creative freedom. And it's nice to know that my customers trust my work enough to um, know that I'll make them something that they'll love. All right. Now, Brittany and Jocelyn, tell folks if they want to get a hold of you, where can they where can they do that? I think, Brittany, you have um, designs by B in Bloomington, right? Is that correct? 
Yes, that's correct. I have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. Okay. And Jocelyn, where do you sell bouquets? I am located in Brooklyn Park. My business name is Siempre Con Amor. And you can find us on Instagram or Facebook um, at flores.sca, which is F-L-O-R-E-S dot S-C-A. Um, and we're happy to help you anytime you By the need way, flowers. I am assuming both of you are really busy for tomorrow, right, Brittany? Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> and Jocelyn? Yes, it, it's busy, but really grateful for all of it. All right. Thank you both for joining us, and um, best of luck tomorrow. I'm, I'm, it's really fun to watch, to get to hear what you're doing. Best of luck. Thank, Thank you, you for so having us. Absolutely. Brittany Vega has been with us. And, of course, we've also talked to Jocelyn Chacon, and they told you how to get a hold of them. See that story, by the way, at Sahan Journal. You can see that at sahanjournal.com. You can also go to nprnews.org for details. Programming is supported by Great River Energy, a not-for-profit wholesale electric power cooperative providing 27 Minnesota member co-ops with reliable, affordable, and cleaner electricity. More at greatriverenergy.com. You got to see these bouquets. Honestly, Sven Sungard, they are as big. I just can't even describe it. It's about a bike tire <laughs> wide. They're huge. Oh, my gosh. They're beautiful. They're absolutely jaw-droppingly beautiful. But they're huge. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a nice fun thing to do. It's just nice in the dead of winter. Yeah, to exactly. see any color and yeah. Yes, for sure. Yes, it's not. It's not like you've been helping any, by the way, as a meteorologist. I mean, we are. We've got this brown, <laughs> you know, kind of black uh, landscape. I, you know, landscape. I know. So um, let's kind of uh, pep it up here a little bit because we're in the midst of our winter member drive. However, it's pretty hot around here because we have some matching money that's on the table right now. Yes, this is for folks. They will. We will match your gifts to NPR News because, of course, we are a nonprofit organization. We rely on gifts from listeners. That's our main source of revenue. So when you make a gift right now, it'll be matched by the member fund. We've got $5,000 worth of money, and I think we have a little bit left over, right? Is that correct, Ben? I think that's correct. Yes. I just checked, and and they said we have a little bit left. So if you want to double your impact, make it go farther, this is the time to do it. You know, Kathy, as you know, I was just with a bunch of NPR listeners in the Galapagos and the Amazon. And uh, as you've been mentioning, it's great to hear from people directly what they value with NPR. And and we had a whole bunch of sustainers, and they value, you know, our independent information, our long form of news information. You know, you watch commercial television, you get a story in a minute and a half that can be a complicated story. And we know it's a a bigger, more complicated uh, story than just a minute and a half. And we give you that uh, additional information. And through the day in different ways, too, is, you know, what how we report the news in Morning Edition is different than how you report at Minnesota Now, too. So a really dependable source of information. And if you value that, join today by donating any amount that works for you. Give it mprnews.org or call 1-800-227-2811. We have heard you loud and clear, and we are shortening this member drive. Yep. It's not going to be more than a week. That well, that's, that's, that's in the past. We're going to try this out. It, it worked the last time, so we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Just five days. I mean, that, yesterday was the first day. We have four days left. All right? So it's kind of a compacted member drive. So I say this because literally every minute counts. Every gift is going to count to get to this overall budget goal that we have. 
um, the folks in finance have a specific amount of money that say they say that we need to raise to keep the books balanced. Uh, so that is why we are asking listeners all around who are who are joining us um, on Minnesota Now and maybe in the morning, in the afternoon, however you listen, maybe you're listening right now um, as you are at home, at work, perhaps, um, maybe you're waiting for the bus, what have you, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, you can make a contribution right now and get that contribution matched by the MPR member fund, mprnews.org, or you can call 1-800-227-2811. Seriously, it is the most powerful way to support public media is to start a monthly gift. We call it being a sustainer, and both Sven and I are sustainers. And I think it's the best way to go, don't you think? I do. You know who else is? My dad and brother. And and my brother's in the military, and he actually texted me to say that he's going to probably up his sustaining membership uh, because you're going to get a little oh. extra money from the military because you're getting deployed. And he appreciates being able to stay in touch with what's going on at home while he's abroad and, you know, all of his family's here. So you can be like him. Uh, donate uh, today, mprnews.org, or call 1-800-227-2811. Talk about some buy-in, huh? Yeah. No, thank him. Thank him for us, for goodness sakes. And also thank him for yep. his service, too. Say, James in Plymouth, we're going to thank you. If you're listening, I bet James is surprised I'm going to mention his name here. Uh, James says, the only news source I know where things are never sensationalized and always presented with a voice of reason on a subject. I'm upgrading my gift to support their wonderful work as much as I can. That is so kind, James. Thank you so much. And James, he is right. He just did that, upgraded the gift. He's included in this match that we have. We have a little bit of money still left on the table. So if you want to make a contribution, we have a minute left. You can certainly do that. mprnews.org, 1-800-227-2811. Sven, give me your best shot here. Yeah, you know, if you value NPR News, I know you do. And as you've been talking about, this is an abbreviated member drive. If you're thinking it's the old way where you got a couple days to warm up and you'll get to it later. Uh, no, not the case. It's just it's this week and you've got the little bit of funds left. So what better way to donate and have it matched, have your impact doubled? Do it right now. You can be like Marion Fergus Falls, too, who says NPR offers insightful news and information. Donate now, nprnews.org or 1-800-227-2811. Well said, my friend. You did it very well. I hope you have a good rest of the day, too. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. You bet. That's our meteorologist, Sven Sungard, talking about making a gift to NPR News. Yes, you can do that right now. Do it during the news. NPRnews.org, 1-800-227-2811. And thank you. Support comes from Comcast Business, working to provide small businesses with protection from big cyber threats with the help of advanced security from Comcast Business. Restrictions apply. Requires Comcast Business Internet, Leased Router, and Security Edge. Support comes from Hennepin Theater Trust, presenting an evening with Leslie Odom Jr., April 21st at the Pantages Theater. Known for his roles as Aaron Burr in Hamilton and Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami. More at hennepintheatertrust.org. This is NPR News 91.1. KNOW, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Cloudy skies, 33 degrees here in the Twin Cities. Excuse me, hi today. Should be uh, pretty close to where we are. We're going to put a couple more on there, about 34, 35 degrees or so. Uh, we'll have a southwest wind at around 5 miles an hour. The overnight low will be close to 30. And guess what? We have a chance of snow tomorrow afternoon. A 50% chance at this point. Tomorrow's high close to 40.